Well, it's good to see y'all here this morning. Uh, Tommy made the announcement, but I kind of want to make it one more time. Uh, you know, we lost a very dear, sweet lady, Frances Howarth. She's 96 years old. Uh, last uh, Thursday, at 1.10 a.m. in the morning, she went home to be with the Lord. Uh, she was ready. I talked with uh, Francis a number of times, and it seemed like each time that I talked with her that uh, she made the mention, Bill, I am so tired. I am ready to go home. She's got loved ones already there. I mean, 96 years old. She's outlived daughters. I just did her daughter Donna's service about two weeks ago. And I did her other daughter, Bonnie, service a number of years ago. And, uh, but I've known Frances for a number of years. And I've been with her in the hospitals. I've taken her to the hospitals. I've sat with her in the hospitals. You know, the doctors would shake their head, and she'd just get up and walk out. Jesus was not ready for her to go home. She's been ready for a number of years. But finally, she kept telling me, Bill, I don't know why God just doesn't let me come home. I said, Francis, he's still got something for you to do. He's still got something for you to do. And until, he, until you have finished and completed what he's got for you to do, you will not go home. So evidently, she finished her job. And now she's at home in the presence of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where she has wanted to be for a long time. But she was in the Azel Hospital, and she had had, the doctors had a heart attack. And uh, that morning, I, I did. I got to go see Francis at the hospital. They let me go in. And uh, <clears throat> didn't get to have much of a visit, but she was out, in and out, in and out. But uh, I did get to pray with her and pray over her. And just before I left, I got her hand. I said, I love you. If you hear me, squeeze my hand. I felt that little squeeze. I knew, you know, if you've got a loved one in a hospital, please never quit talking to them or telling them how much you love them. They say the hearing is the last thing to go. They can hear you. So be careful what you say in that room also. But uh, she's home. Uh, it's like Tommy said, her visitation will be this evening at Bigger's Funeral Home at 2 o'clock. I will do her service at 3 o'clock. And uh, then Monday, they will bring her body out here to Azerland. And I will do her graveside service Monday morning out here at Azerland, the graveside at 10 a.m. in the morning. So uh, just to let y'all know and everything. And for those of you that have brought food or are going to bring food, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to... Evidently, the family is going to be somewhere between 30 and 50 people.
So if you possibly can, if you haven't made that commitment yet, if you could bring anything at all, would be helpful. Because we just want to make sure. Churches went up, we bought a bunch of chicken and stuff like that. And uh, But we do need some other stuff. If you will get with Linda, if you can, uh, bring anything. It would be so appreciated because we just want to make sure that the family has enough that uh, we can feed them. And uh, they should be here, they'll probably be around 5 o'clock. So uh, if you could help out in any way like that, we got several here that's going to be up here help serve and, and take care of some things. But if you could help with any of the food in any way, it would be so much appreciated. And I'm just going to go ahead and thank you right now ahead of time for everything you have done and for those that are going to do something else. So thank you all very much. And if you can, I have never done a Sunday funeral service before, but I guess I will today. You know, I got to think, as a kid with Tommy, I said, I hope I don't get all mixed up and start doing Francis' funeral service here this morning instead of my regular service. Because I was doing my sermon, I was doing the funeral service, plus the graveside service. So I don't know what y'all folks are going to get. But uh, anyway, whatever it is, it's going to be from God. And uh, so again, you know, I'm going to miss that little lady. And y'all quit it. Since June, this funeral service is number six. I can't lose y'all. I know you'd probably be happier at home in heaven, but you know, I'd like to keep you around just a little while longer anyway, until after, at least after I'm gone, then I'll meet you up there. Uh, but today, uh, I guess, just so much going on in this world, and I, I, I keep hearing negative talk and everything about uh, the shape of the world and what's going on. We know that there is a time of judgment coming. The Bible tells us that. I've entitled my message this morning, The Wrath That Is To Come. We know there is a wrath coming. We know that God is angry. He's angry at man because of their disbelief for all the wrongs for not considering God who he is, not believing in him, not believing in his son, Jesus Christ, who came and gave his life so that you could have eternal life if you would believe and serve him. Many people still up to this day laugh and mock and make fun when you mention Jesus Christ. Many Christians in here, if you're not encountering people out in the world, if you're not saying anything to anybody, if you're just talking among yourselves, you don't hear this. But when you get out in this world and you mention Jesus Christ, it's don't tell them what kind of a reaction you're going to get. I've had them laugh at me. I've had them curse me. They don't bother me. I said, you know, you can laugh at me, you can curse at me, you can do anything you want. But my Jesus Christ has a last say on it. I said, you know, I'd rather serve Christ and be wrong about 
things than not serve him and him be right about everything. I said, if I'm wrong, what have I lost? I have not lost one thing. But if I'm wrong and I'm not serving him, I've lost eternal life. I've lost everything. So I think I'm going to go with Jesus. I think I'm going to walk with him. I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm going to keep just telling people what a wonderful Savior we have. A loving Savior that cares. And you know, the thing about it is, if you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, then what I'm going to preach this morning, you don't have to worry about. You're going to be in heaven. You're going to be looking down at all the things that are going on. You're not going to be part of it. You're not going to be part of the great white throne judgment. You're not going to be part of any of that. You're going to be in heaven looking down at all the people that are going through the tribulation, that are going through the trials, that are going through the heartbreaks, that's going through the anger that they're going to have. Yes, people are going to have, they're going to be angry at God for what He is bringing on them. I'm going to show you that in the scripture in a minute. God's going to give them a chance to repent. They're not going to do it. They're going to be angry at God for what they're going through. And the thing about it is, the only one they have to blame is themselves because they did not listen to the Word of God. He told them what's going to happen if you do not believe upon my Son, you will not see life. If you do not believe upon me, you will not see life. Believe upon the Son and who He is, you shall have eternal life. See, we make that decision ourselves of where we're going to spend eternity, where we're going to be. God wants such a relationship with us. And too many of us are not listening to God. We're not praying. We're not reading His Word. We're just walking through this world thinking, Oh, well, everything will be all right. God will understand if I don't worship Him or if I don't serve Him, if I don't go to church, if I don't read His Bible. He'll understand. Oh, yeah, He's going to understand. Because when He looks at you at the great white throne judgment and you're standing before Him, He opens up that book of life, He looks in it, shakes His head, says, Sorry. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's going to happen. Don't let it happen to you. Put Jesus Christ into your heart. Love him, worship him, serve him. Hey, right now, we still got time. Many people, I'll get to my sermon in a little bit. Uh, but many times, people think that God will just overlook their sins. Oh, he'll forget about them. He's not going to hold it against me. No. We shall not escape God's wrath by not confessing our sins. For the man who sins, his sins shall be found out. God knows every time we sin, he knows everything that we do, 
You mean God's watching me? He's watching you like a hawk because he loves you. Well, I had, I've, I've been, you know, it feels like sometimes I've been persecuted. Like, I'm trying to serve God, but yet I still feel like I'm being persecuted. Jesus told us we would be persecuted. He says, they persecuted me, therefore you shall be persecuted also because of me. They shall hate you because they hated me. You represent Jesus Christ. You represent something good. You know, today the world calls what is good wrong. And what's wrong they call good. We're living in a time that we're getting so close. You know, I can't help but believe that everything that is going on all the stuff that's going on up in Congress, the stuff that's just going on all over the road, world, that God is saying, take notice. Take notice. The end is close. The end is close. But I've entitled my message, The Wrath That Is To Come. There is a day coming and we don't know when it's coming even Jesus told the disciples only the Father himself knows only the Father himself he has not revealed it at that time to his son he has not revealed it to the angels to no one but God himself knows the day he knows the hour he knows the minute that he's going to look over there at his son and he's going to tell him to come get you, the church. That's going to be the, that's going to be the rapture. And right after the rapture is when all this bad stuff happens. That's what I'm saying is you will be sitting in heaven looking down while all the trouble is going on. You're not going to be part of it. I'm going to show you some things here in just a minute. But the Bible refers to, to this coming judgment as a day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not saying one single day. The day of the Lord starts from the beginning of the tribulation and goes through the great white throne judgment. That whole period in there is what they're calling the day of the Lord or maybe we should say the time of the Lord. But they call it the day of the Lord. But it's the time that the Lord is going to bring His judgment. He's already told us there shall be judgment for what you are doing. He's not going to overlook it. But those that are serving Him, He is going to take out of here that they will not go through the judgment. Excuse me. Matter of fact, over in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ said, for God will keep you from the hour of tribulation or from the hour of wrath. Why would he send his church through it? Somebody that, that has been faithful to him, serving him, loving him, doing what he asked us to do. He's not going to put us through the wrath. He's going to take us out of it because of our faithfulness to him. But you better be faithful to him 
It better not be pretentious. It better be real. God looks on the heart of a man. He doesn't look on the outside. He doesn't judge you from what you look like. He judges you from what your heart says. He looks upon the heart, not upon the man himself. Have your heart right. It's what it tells us. We must believe in our heart. Not up here. We don't go around telling somebody something. You believe it in your heart. If you don't believe it, God knows. And he looks at that. He's given us every opportunity right now to change our ways, to receive Him before He comes back. Even in the Bible it says many times men have laughed, mocked, and scorned. Said, yes, I've heard this ever since I can remember that he is coming back. Where is he? I have seen nothing. You better be glad you hadn't seen nothing. Because he is a long-suffering God giving us the time to change our ways, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He's given us that time before he comes back. You have a, you have a time right now. How long this time will last? That's up to God. Take advantage of it while you can. There may be one day you will not have that chance again. You know, this, this uh, tribulation period and up, to, up until the great white throne judgment is what they, like what I said, they call the day of the Lord. And this day or this time is going to last for approximately seven years. Can you imagine seven years of judgment? And I'm going to tell you some of the stuff here in a minute in, in the scriptures that's going to happen. There's going to be three different judgments. It's going to be the judgment, the seal judgment, the trumpet judgment, and the bowl judgment. Each one of those judgments have seven plagues. So that's 21 judgments that God is bringing out against us. Against the world. Not against His church, but against the world. 21 judgments. Each judgment. The seal has seven judgments. The trumpet has seven judgments. And the bowls have seven judgments. Why seven? Seven is God's number. And even God said, you know, if I'd have let this go on any longer... All of flesh, no flesh would have survived. He's going to stop it before all flesh is gone. And, even, and here I'm going to get to it in a minute. I guess I need to go on. Uh, the major part of the day of the Lord is that time known as what we call the tribulation until after God's great white throne judgment. You know, so... You've heard it before, but I'm going to do it one more time. Listen to how Jesus describes the tribulation period. Jesus describes the tribulation, how it's going to be like, what's going to happen. Here in Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read two different places here, but first place is, is Matthew 24, verse 6 through 8. It says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, which that is constant in our day right now. It says, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
It's constant now. And there will be famines. We've got people starving all over the world. You've got people hungry right here in Asia. Pestilence. That's diseases. What are we going through right now? Earthquakes. We don't hear as many earthquakes here in this area as we did, but still, worldwide, they're growing all the time. And it says it shall be in diverse places or it shall be in various places. That's what divers mean is various. It shall be in various places, different places all over the world. And we see where some of the earthquakes are so terrible. They rate sevens and eights. Do just damage, so much damage and so much death. It's going on right now. And then in verse 8, it says, And all of these things are only the beginning of sorrows. It's just the beginning. Can you imagine? We'll see in a minute what else is going to take place. This is just the beginning. Then verse 21. It says, For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be again. This is going to be the worst time that the world has ever known that it will never see a time like this again. Verse 22, And except those days be shortened, no flesh would survive. That's what I just said a while ago. God knows what, what, can, what, what the world can stand, what it can happen, but he says, if, it, if I had not made them shorter than what I, or if I had not shortened them, no flesh would have survived. So you want to say here, God's thinking about us still. The Bible says that this will be the worst time in the history of the world. The world tribulation means anger, trouble, Affliction, all of these things combined. That's tribulation. The tribulation period will be a great time of trouble and anger for a world that will continue to rebel against God and refuse His salvation and forgiveness. They're going to continue to rebel against God even when all these things are going on. You know, man... I've got to say this, man is not too bright. When you go through something like this and you know that you can change it through saying, Lord, I've really messed up. I've made a mistake. Please forgive me. A lot of this is going to come off of man if they would do that. They'd probably, they'd probably go home to be with Jesus. It'd probably be through death because of them turning against the Antichrist, against his ways, he would have them put to death. But just think, I don't know, death would probably be better than going through all this stuff and going and being home with, with God. <clears throat> so what will this day be like? What will the day of tribulation, what's it going to be like? I'm going to take a verse here out of the seals. This is when the seventh seal is opened. 
was opening the seals. Jesus Christ himself. He was the only one found worthy that could open the seals. Jesus Christ is opening these seals and he's reading them. As he unrolls that scroll, first of all, here in Revelation 1.8, it says, and we, have, we usually don't, don't realize this, but there will be a time of silence in heaven for about 30 minutes, half an hour. There will not be a sound made in heaven. Not a word spoken, no worship, no music, no hymns, even the worshiping angels that worship God. There's angels flying around God constantly saying, Holy, 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 holy. They will not be saying that. They won't be saying a word. Revelations 8.1 And when Jesus had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Total quiet. No sound whatsoever. Tell you what it is. I, I, I searched until I found what it was to be sure. Heaven knows the judgment period is about to take place. Heaven knows that this judgment period is about to take place. They know it's about to take place when that seventh seal is broken. That's the last seal of the seals, the seventh seal. And the scroll is unrolled. Both the saints in heaven and the angels become silent in anticipation of the destruction that they are about to witness and see take place. They know how bad this is going to be. The half hour of silence is the calm before the storm. It's the silence of the intense expectation of what God is about to cause to happen. No, it's not the devil causing it. It's not the Antichrist causing it. It's God causing it. He is sending destruction upon the world. He's warned us. He said, it's coming. Me, oh yeah, yeah, sure it is. Boy, one morning... When they wake up, some of their loved ones aren't here anymore because they've been raptured out here. They're not even going to be able to explain what happened. We're not going to be here. In the twinkling of an eye, this is going to happen. In the blink of an eye, God is going to pull his church off of this earth and take them to heaven. Then, pardon me, but all hell breaks loose. The most terrible time the world has ever seen or has ever known is fixing to happen. That's what they're saying here in heaven. They know what is going to happen. They know how bad it's going to be. And all that quietness, I believe they're praying to themselves about what is fixing to happen. They're praying for the people. They're praying, oh God, let them change their mind. Let them change their mind before it takes place. 
but not a word is uttered. Not a, not a sound is made because they know how bad everything is going to be. It said even at this moment, the quietness in heaven, even the worshiping angels will become silent in knowing what is about to take place. Those angels that have been worshiping God ever since the beginning have quietened. They're not flying around saying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is our God. No, it is total quiet. Along with the scroll judgments after this, there will also be, like I said a while ago, there's going to be the trumpet judgments and the bowls of wrath judgments. Look at Revelations chapter 8, verse 7. This is talking about one of the trumpet judgments. It's going to take place. Why do they call it the trumpet judgments? God has assigned seven angels. He's given each one of them a trumpet. And God has told that angel, when I point at you, you sound that trumpet. And when you sound that trumpet, things are going to take place. Things are going to happen. God's already designated what was going to happen. Each time the trumpet is sounded, a destruction upon this earth takes place. God's angry. God's full of wrath. And he's pouring it out just like he said he was going to. Who caused it? We caused it. By our unbelief, disobedience, laughing at his son, mocking his son after what his son did for us on that cross. God is angry. Revelations 8-7. This is a trumpet. He said, the first angel sounded, or he blew his trumpet, and there followed hail come out of the sky. They said some of those hailstones would weigh up to at least 100 pounds. Can you imagine the damage of a 100-pound hailstone? We see these golf ball size killing people, doing so much damage. What will a hundred pound hailstorm hailstone do? They said some of those hailstones will weigh up to a hundred pounds. And fire mingled with blood. Wait a minute. Fire mingled with blood? Fire. What is fire? What does it represent? Fire represents God's judgment. Fire represents God's judgment. God's judgment is mixed with blood. Well, what blood? The saints' blood that died for preaching and spreading God's word. They're in heaven, but he's mixed his judgment with his saints' blood. What did his saints ask him one time? How long before you redeem us, O oh God? How long before you bring your judgments for what that they did to us? It's coming. It's coming. They said, and they were cast upon the earth. All this hit the earth. The hail, the fire mingled with blood. He said, they were cast upon the earth. And a third part of the trees were burned up. One third of all the trees on the earth were destroyed. 
a third of them. It says the trees were burnt up. Now listen to this. And all green grass was burnt up. All. Not some of it, not a third of it, not a half of it, but all of the green grass was burnt up. Let me ask you a question. What's going to happen to your food supply with cattle and stuff? We don't think about that. Your cattle are grazers. They eat that grass. In verse 8, this is the first angel. He's talking about a second angel now. And the second angel sounded. He blew his trumpet because God pointed at him. He blew his trumpet. What happens? And he said, And as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Most people believe that this great thing that looked like a mountain is a giant, huge meteorite falling out of heaven. Huge. Big. We've never seen anything this size. And I'm going to show you what it does. But that's what they think. Well, just a mountain falling in probably wouldn't do this. But this meteorite coming out of heaven is so big, so huge, that when it falls into the sea, It said, and the third part of the sea became blood. A third of all the seas turned to blood. And verse 9 says, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea that had life died. Your fish. Another food supply. Gone. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. A third of all the ships. That's where I'm coming from. That meteorite, when it fell into the ocean, it was so huge, it caused such a giant wave. It's like a tsunami. So huge, it just engulfed and covered all the ships and sunk them. God destroyed them. And the people on the board, on board those ships, were destroyed. You have to figure, if they were on those ships and not in heaven, they had to be sinners. They had to be those that hadn't asked God for forgiveness. If they hadn't, they'd been in heaven, they wouldn't have been on those ships. God is destroying the world. But those ships sunk. Like I said, it seems like the world is ending, and it is. In addition, I'm going to show you what else is going to happen. This is bad enough, but what else is going to happen? Revelations chapter 15, verse 1. This comes from the bowl judgments. The bowl judgments are probably the worst of all the judgments. There was the seal judgment, that was bad. The trumpet judgment, they were a little worse than the seal judgment. But the bowl judgment is the last judgments that God pours out on the earth. And they are the worst. Revelation 15.1 It says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, 
seven angels having the seven last plagues. These, there's seven angels, like I said a while ago, and each one of them has a bowl in their hand. In that bowl is, is the wrath that God has said that is going to happen next. When he points at them, they take that bowl and they turn it upside down and they pour out God's plagues upon the earth. The Bible says it will be a time period filled with the wrath of God. So I asked, and I said it a while ago, why will God be so full of wrath? Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. I want to read that to you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. They know about God. They know that God created the world. They know that God is all-powerful. They know that God is all-seeing. They know that God is all-knowing. But yet they're still not trusting Him. It says, for God has showed it unto them. God has showed it unto them who He is. For the invisible things of Him from the creation, the invisible things of God, the invisibleness of God, the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. In other words, these people are without excuse because God has revealed Himself to them, but yet they have not accepted it. He showed them who He is. He's revealed Himself to them. He had made it manifest to them. Manifest means to bring up, to make larger, to grow. He has told them, showed them who He is, but yet... They denied Him. They didn't believe Him. They were doing exactly opposite of what God told them to do. You know what I said a while ago? Today, the world is calling right wrong and calling wrong right. That goes all the way back here. I don't blame God. I'd be getting mad by now too. They said, so they are without excuse. Without an excuse to believe in God and who He is, who His Son is, what He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. The time has now come for God to deal with those who have willfully, willfully and knowingly rejected God's love and the love of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now the time has come that God is tired of it, He's through with it, and he's fixing to pour out his wrath. So what will these bowls contain? What's going to be in those bowls? Scripture tells us they will contain such things as the oceans being turned into blood, stars falling from the sky. Can you imagine what a star falling from the sky and hitting the earth will do? Some of these stars are humongous. We see a little bitty twinkling light up there but the star itself is humongous. 
Scripture also tells us there will be the releasing of demons. Like we don't have enough now. That will be as thick as smoke. There are going to be so many of them it's going to look like a cloud of smoke. Who have the power to sting men like scorpions and cause them to suffer greatly. I have been stung by a stinging scorpion before. And it hurt. It hurt. Now these here, I don't know, they may be probably a lot worse than what we've got running around here. They're stinging. It won't kill the man, but he is going to be hurting and so miserable. He wants to die, but he can't. That's what the Bible says. But you know, even in the midst of all God's wrath, there's still hope for the world. There's still hope for the world. Even in all God's wrath. Scripture tells us that God will have evangelists who will be going throughout the world preaching the gospel and calling for men to receive God's salvation. Who are these? This is the 144,000 witnesses of God. That's going throughout the earth, telling every man that they can see, every man, woman, child, about the goodness and the love and the mercy of God. Hoping that they will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what those evangelists are going to do. 144,000 Jewish evangelists going throughout the world. They're mainly going to be, be witnessing to the Jewish people, but they're going to witness to everybody also. In Matthew 24, 14, it tells us, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then the end shall come. When we've heard about Jesus Christ, we have the option of saying yes to him or no to him. When we say no, we're going to be included in this tribulation coming up. We say yes to him. We miss it. During the tribulation, many millions will be saved. Finally, through some of this tribulation, man's going to wake up. Hey, I've heard about all this stuff happening before. I see it happening now. The Bible was right. The Bible was right. And they will accept Jesus Christ. They will believe on Him. But then, you're also going to have millions that will still be lost. They will not believe. Revelations 9.20, listen to what it says. I talk about man not believing. It says, and, and I'm going to read Revelations 9.20-21. And it says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues Listen, repented not of the works of their hands. They saw all this going on. They witnessed it. But yet they would not repent. That they should not, they, wouldn't, they, they repented that they would not worship 
excuse me, worship devils and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and of wood, which can which neither can see nor hear nor walk. These idols can do absolutely nothing, but man still worships them. All over the world, people are worshiping idols. They're even worshiping idols and, and little man-made gods. And they've even entitled it for the unknown God. They don't want to leave any God out that could be offended. So they've even got an idol that says, to the unknown God. We don't know who you are, but, but well, we got an idol for you. We're going to worship that too. There's one true God the creator of all heaven and all earth. That's the only God that we should worship. Verse 21 said, And they neither repented of their murders, they wouldn't repent of murder, nor of their sorceries, witchcraft, nor of their fornication, their sexual acts and things that were wrong, nor of their thefts. They wouldn't repent of any of it. None of it. Even after seeing all the destruction that was already being caused. The Bible says rather than turning to God and receiving His forgiveness, what did they do? They cried out to the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from God's wrath. They cried for the rocks to fall upon them, to hide them from the wrath of God. If you want to read that, it's in Revelation 6, verse 15 through 17. But you know, even today, there's deliverance from God's wrath. Deliverance from His wrath that is to come. Because God still loves us. He still cares about us. We still have time to come to God before all this takes place. What I've told y'all is still yet to come. But it is coming. It is coming. But right now we still have the opportunity to bypass it, not to go through it, to go to heaven and not even participate in this tribulation. Scriptures I'm going to read, you've heard no telling how many times, but they are so true. John 3, 16 through 18 describes God. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son because of His love for you and me. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish. To perish means to be separated for all eternity from God. That's what perish is. Should not perish or not be separated from God and down in hell. But you're going to be, in, you're going to be with God in heaven. And have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through Jesus Christ might be saved. It is through Christ that we are saved, we're forgiven, and we have eternal life. Verse 18. This is really an important verse. He that believes on Him, Jesus, is not condemned. If you believe on Jesus right now, you are not condemned. You die right now, you're in heaven. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, he is dead. He don't have life. He said, he that is dead. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So if you do not believe on Jesus Christ right now, in God's eyes, you're condemned. But you can change that by believing in your heart upon his Son. Many people ask, what do I have to do to be saved? How, how can I be saved? How can I turn to God? How can I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? We've got the scriptures for that. Romans 10, 9, and 10. And you all know it. You all know it. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, now listen to this, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with the heart man believes unto righteousness. You don't believe it up here. You believe it here on the inside of you. Knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that Jesus Christ is the only way. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You mean I have to confess Jesus Christ out loud? Well, if you're not ashamed of him, you will. Jesus says, any man who will not confess me before the Father, I mean, will not confess me before men, I will not confess him before the Father. Any man who is ashamed of me on this earth, I will be ashamed of him in heaven before the Father and the angels. If you really believe and love Jesus Christ, it should not bother you to confess him openly. That's what he's saying. If you truly believe... I'm finishing up here. If the band will come up, this last scripture. John 3.36. This is a very important scripture. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now, you have everlasting life. And he that believes not in the Son, he who believes not that Jesus is the Son, shall not see life. But the wrath of God shall abide upon him for all eternity. All this wrath that we talked about is going to abide upon the unbeliever for all eternity. How would you like to go through all eternity from now on forever and ever and ever suffering through God's wrath because of a decision that you would not make? Many people have sat there and said, I know I should confess Christ. I know I should accept him. I know that I believe there is a God, but I'm not sure about this son. God is a God that cannot and will not lie. What he has said is absolute truth. You don't even have to doubt it. You know, people say, do you mean you can read that Bible and believe everything in it? I can. I have no problem. Because I, and just as I read in Scripture, for nothing shall be impossible for my God. Nothing is impossible for God. When you get that into your heart, 
everything else becomes so simple and so easy. But believing that nothing, I don't care what you're going through, I don't care the situation you're in, I don't care what's happening, believe upon God and believe that God can take care of it. He says, for you, if you believe upon you shall ask for what you need and you shall receive it. God wants you to have the best. He says Satan came to, came to this earth to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's Satan's job. But then he comes and says, but I have come that you may have a full life. I have all abundance in your life. For I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly or overflowing, fullness. That's what God wants his children to have. If you're here today and you have really never made that decision that Jesus Christ needs to be in your heart. I'm not asking you, well, I think maybe Jesus is real. No, you've got to know it. You've got to know it. If you're here today and you say, I know, I know that Jesus is real and I want to make that confession and I want Jesus to come into my heart. If God comes back today, I know I want to be in heaven. I don't want to go through the wrath that God is going to pour out upon this earth. We've told you about what some of it's going to be. And we can't, it's hard for us to imagine because we've never seen anything like this. It's hard to believe. But do you all realize this is God's word? He's telling you what is going to happen, what is going to take place. He's not suggesting this could happen. He's saying it will happen. So now, you have to make the decision to believe and to receive Jesus Christ into your life so that you do not go through it. Because you're not going to be able to blame anybody but yourself when you say, well, I didn't know. Friends, you've just been told. Y'all can blame me. Well, he told me, but I didn't believe him. But I ain't going to do no good because God knows I just told you the truth. So if you're here today and you just need to make a recommitment to God, God, I know there's some things in my life that need to be changed. And I'm asking you to touch me, heal me, to change me for your glory. He'll do it. He'll do it. If you really want it. So if you're here today and you think, oh, I've got a decision I need to make. Now's the time to do it. You ought to forget about it tomorrow. Or, you ought to have a car wreck going home this evening and not have a chance to do it. We don't know the day of our death and when it's going to happen. But God does. So if you're here today, he's giving you the opportunity right now to have a change of heart and to receive him. If you just need prayer, I'll be glad to pray with you. But if you need to change, if you need God in your heart, please, today is the day of salvation. You may not have tomorrow.